I have a fig guy. His name is Vadim. I recently bought two fig trees from him because a friend of mine, maybe a year ago, gave me some fresh figs, which I had never had before. And so I took the figs and I wrapped them in bacon. Story's already good, I know. <laughs> wrapped them in bacon, I put them on the grill, and I have to tell you, who. So anyway, I have a fig guy, Vadim. Vadim knows everything about figs. Told me the appropriate size pot to put it in. Told me what to put in there when I planted the trees. Gave me the recipe for some concoction that he makes to spray the trees so the pests stay away. Told me when I should expect the figs to come. Everything, lots of stuff. Told me everything about figs. Vadim knows everything about figs. He knows where to plant the trees. He knows how to care for them. He knows how to make them bear fruit. He knows when to expect the harvest. I can even call on Vadim anytime I want for his wisdom and his help. Today, Jesus tells us a story about planting and harvesting that tells us that God does certain things and he does certain things for us in a very similar way to Vadim and what he does, and what he does for me. Mine is just a little earthly story about Vadim. True story. But Jesus' story, that's an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. It's the story of how Christians live as wheat among the weeds. Jesus begins, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so you know right off the bat what this story is going to be about assuming that you know what he means by the kingdom of heaven. Now, you might think that he's going to tell us about what heaven itself is like, but that's not the case. You'll see as Jesus talks that he's not talking about a place. He's talking about an activity. He's talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven. It's used a few different ways in Scripture, but here Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven as God's gracious rule in the hearts and the minds of his people while they live here in this world. That's what this story is going to be about. Field owner planted some seed, some good seed. The field owner is none other than Jesus himself. The field is really the whole world and the good seed, Christians, or as he also calls them here, the the sons of the kingdom, the heirs of God's riches of grace. You and I know how we became wheat in God's field. God sent his son to live and die and rise so that whoever puts their confidence in him will have eternal salvation. And then Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to us to to put that faith in us and the Holy Spirit did his work on us. And so you and I are not who we are by accident. And we are not who we are because of some choice or decision that we've made. We are who we are because the Holy Spirit worked with the tools of the powerful word and the miracle of baptism to make us the wheat in his field. The Holy Spirit continues to make that faith grow as day by day he works on us through his word. And so we are the the good wheat seeds that Jesus planted in the world uh, that is his field. 
everything would be just fine if we were the only seeds planted in the field of this world. Unfortunately, that's not so. There are other seeds out there. While people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Crafty move. Sowing the weeds all where the wheat was growing and doing it under the cover of darkness. Who's that sound like to you? Yeah. Seems pretty obvious. If the owner of the field is Jesus and, the, and this is his enemy, then, then this is Satan. But you don't really have to guess. A lot of times in parables, uh, you don't know specific, you're not told specifically all of the details, who's who and what's what, but you get an answer key here because the disciples asked, explain to us this parable. And so Jesus tells us straight out, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Satan has been the enemy since he led the revolt in heaven and was thrown out. Since the Garden of Eden where he led humanity into sin, He was the enemy of Jesus as he tempted him in the the Judean wilderness and when he bit him in the heel, so to speak, with his death on the cross. Yeah, something like sowing deceptive weed seed under cover of darkness. That sounds just like him. Jesus explains that these weeds are the sons of the evil one. They belong to the devil. They are the sons of darkness. They are the unbelievers. They're the ones about whom Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to do your father's desires. And they've been planted right next to the wheat. As the two different seeds begin to grow, it's hard to tell the difference between the two at first. Jesus didn't use any old word for weeds here. He talked specifically, used the word for zizanium. It's a kind of darnel, which probably doesn't help you at all. But darnel has actually been nicknamed wheat's evil twin because you find it growing in wheat fields. And you can't tell the difference while the plants are very small. It's hard to distinguish the, the wheat from this weed until the heads form. Same goes for believers and unbelievers. You can look around and probably can't tell most of the time who who the Christians are and who the non-Christians are. They look pretty much the same. A lot of their qualities are the same. They can be smart or funny or charming or or helpful or nice or, or whatever. And so we may have a difficult time distinguishing between the wheat of this world and the weeds of this world. But you can tell if you continue watching while the weeds grow. The heads of grain that formed on the zizanium allowed you to see the difference. The difference between the weeds and the wheat then, once the, grains, uh, the heads of grain appeared, made it obvious. The heads of the zizanium are black. They're not wheat-colored. And they're dangerous. The ancient Greeks called this the uh, plant of frenzy. 
It affected people's speech. It threw them off balance. It made them dizzy, all sorts of things. And if you ate enough of it, it could kill you. So no wonder the servants wanted this out of the field. You don't want poison mixed in with your grain. It's like that with people. Christians are like the ripened wheat. You can tell what they are by their words and by their actions. At another time, Jesus said something very similar. He said, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. So then, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So we can also tell unbelievers by the things that they do and they say. They produce black fruits, so to speak. And the poison is their sinful rebellion of God. And it leads to their eternal death. The weeds in Jesus' story were grown to the point where the servants could tell what they were. And they were astonished that they were even there. They knew that good seed had been planted in the field and they didn't know where this came from. And so you and I, servants of Christ today, may often be astonished that the people who reject God are allowed to just go on. They live their life their own way. They may seem to be thriving even more than you are. They threaten our faith and the kingdom of God. We're astonished that we, good, growing, active wheat, can live in the same house or be part of the same family with someone who rejects God and they just never seem to come around. But there we are, planted right next to them. Or we're working, we're astonished that we're working alongside people who are unbelievers and we try to live out our faith and give a good example and we may even mention our faith and some of the specifics, but they remain weeds. And there we are planted right next to them. We're astonished that even though the gospel has been preached around the world for many, many, many years, sin still seems to run rampant. So many weeds and we're planted among them. It's very possible that we might have questions for God about all of this and why he allows it. We're astonished at the seemingly unchecked violence in the world. Now, why does God sit there on his throne while things like wars are, are allowed to just continue and they are waged without any end in sight, seemingly? I wonder if my Ukrainian fig guy, Vadim, asks that question. We might. How are peaceful Christians expected to live alongside hateful and violent people in our city? Do Christian police officers ever ask, as they, as they witness people doing terrible things to other people, why God stands down? It seems like the wheat is threatened by the weeds. Why doesn't God stop it? We're not going to be able to understand all of these things. 
and we can't answer all the questions that arise. But we can take the matter to our Lord and Savior. We can pray. And we can trust whatever answer he gives us uh, in his word. You notice that's what the servants in Jesus' story did with the field owner. I mean, understandably, they wanted the weeds out of there. So it's no surprise when they asked the owner, do you want us to go and gather up the weeds or, or pull up the weeds? The workers were willing to do the work, but they didn't presume to do it without asking the field owner first. This is good. Because he actually knew what to do in this situation. Jesus wants his servants today to be zealous for his work also. And he wants us to always check with him when it comes to the spreading of his kingdom or the fighting against the devil. And his word, again, is where we go to receive that. We're sometimes not content with our field owner's answers, though. And we might feel that the solution to the world's problem and the frustration of Christians is just to mow down all the unbelievers. And we're surrounded by all kinds of people who don't believe in Christ as their Savior from sin. They do pose a threat to the faith of Christians. And should we be angry? Should we be frustrated that they're here? Should we complain? Should we gripe? Should we, should we accuse God and question Him about what He's doing with all of this or not doing with all of this? Should we ask God to weed them out? To pull them out so that, so that only the wheat, only the believers are left? And everything would be perfect, right? Only believers, just the way it's supposed to be. Did you know that Jesus' disciples once thought something like this? They were all traveling into a Samaritan village once, and the people in the village did not want Jesus there. And so James and John spoke up. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? They really meant that. And Jesus' answer to us is the same one he gave to his disciples. Definitely not. He actually said to them, you don't know what kind of spirit is influencing you. When we react with sinful anger or we consider unholy actions like the disciples did, the devil's influencing us too. These kinds of sins reveal an arrogance that suggests that you and I know a little better than God does about this issue of field management. It shows a lack of trust in God. It shows an unwillingness to be patient. Well, it, we look kind of weed-like, don't we? When we're impatient, untrusting, when we ignore the comfort that God gives us here in his promises about his pro approach to the field and, and the coming harvest. But remember, we are wheat. We are forgiven by Jesus. All of these sins, all of these sinful attitudes. And forgiven people listen to God when he talks to them. As we listen to the story of Jesus, we find good examples in the story's characters, in the, in the servants of the field. And they were rightly concerned about what they saw. They knew the farmer was concerned about, would be concerned about this too. And they, 
went and told them what they saw, offered a possible solution, and, and then this answer came. Don't do that. Just let it go, and it'll be handled later. We don't want to disrupt the wheat. We'll take care of that at the harvest. Human reason and emotion say, can't we just rip up the weeds? But that's not the way Jesus sees it. No, he answered. Because when you gather up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, first, gather up the weeds, bind them into bundles, and burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn. You and I are not equipped for the job of weed pulling. And we can see above the surface, we can see unchristian behavior, we can see uh, their fruits for what they are. But what about the intertwining roots, Jesus says? I mean, what happens to the wheat if the weeds are yanked out? And how do you and I really know, like beyond a shadow of doubt, who's a weed? And how do you and I really know if if there's a weed that might become wheat by the working of the gospel on their hearts? And how do you and I know whether a stalk of wheat might tragically become a weed because of the constant pressure of sin? We don't have to worry about all of this. These are God's things. And you can see that he cares for Christians by not wanting to disrupt them by taking some strong action against those who reject him. And what would the damage look like from something like that? I don't know. But I can see love for the wheat here. So don't worry, and don't stress, and don't sin in your anger and your frustration over what you see out there in the field of this world. God knows what he's doing, and he says, just wait it out till the harvest. The angel harvesters will come at the command of Christ to do his will at that judgment day harvest. And the weeds... And the wheat are going to have to grow together until that day of burning and barning. And then we'll know for sure. We'll know for sure who the weeds are and who the wheat are. The weeds, he says, will be thrown into the fires of hell for all eternity, far away from God and his wheat. And the wheat will be gathered into the barn of heaven. And then what God says about the righteous will come true. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen.